0: Hi, I'm Elliot Ray Hall and I'm a comic book writer and I'm here on Spoiler Country talking about my new book with Emily Pearson, The Vane from
1: Oni. Hi, I'm Emily Pearson. I am the comic book artist for The Vein. I'm here on Spoiler Country. <laughs>
2: People of Earth, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal of the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts John, Ann, Kenrick, and Jeff. Welcome to Spoiler Country.
3: Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. But Nicole to the, cult of the and welcome back to Swiller Country. I am Johnny Horsley, and today on the show we have got Emily Pearson and Elliot Ray Hall talking about their book, The Vane or Vane, talking about their book, Vane, from Oni Press. This book looks really cool. I have not had a chance to read it yet, but I did peruse some previews for it before recording this, and uh, I'm, I'm excited. So Let's not waste any more time. Let's just sit back and listen to Emily and Elliot in their own words.
2: Hello, listeners of Spoiler Country. Today on the show, we had the fantastic Emily Pearson and the the fantastic Elliot Rahal. How are we doing, guys? Doing good, Jeff. Are we doing well, Emily? I'm not sure. I'm quiet right now. So things are a little strange in the world right now. Are you guys finding yourselves distracted? Are you able to concentrate on what you're supposed to be doing? You know,
0: uh, Tuesday through Wednesday, I was pretty much useless. And then Thursday, I'm climbing. I'm trying to climb back on the train, you know. And, yeah, I'm just, you know, just trying to stay busy. I'm, I'm really manic- person so hmm. it, you know it, it, it it's a struggle for me so like my highs get very high and uh, and then i like almost like want to jump out of my skin uh hmm. so it, it, it can be a challenge sometimes
2: i can imagine how about you emily how we made uh, how, how are you handling all this
1: uh honestly like <laughs> uh I have, I have a chronic illness right now and i'm dealing with so i mean i took medication on wednesday for it and i'm basically sleeping all the way through Thursday. So I got kind of (laughs) lucky in that retrospect. You
2: didn't miss much. It's still going on. So I hope hope you're okay. And is it anything serious?
1: Oh, a a little, but I'll be okay. Well, I definitely Um, hope
2: so.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad to hear that you'll be okay, Emily.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, yeah, definitely. I hope you definitely feel better. And hopefully um, you're not, the medications aren't hitting you too hard right now.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah, I should be fine. I I woke up a little bit early to prepare.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Don't worry. I,
1: I, have, I have enough
0: chaotic energy for both of us.
2: So I'm actually going to start with you, Elliot, with the first question. So how long did you want to be a comic book writer for? And do you remember what you were reading growing up? Oh,
0: fuck. I didn't, I didn't know I wanted to be a comic book writer, I think, until I was uh, in my early 20s. I'm 32 now, so... Uh, I came to that realization pretty late. I knew I wanted to write and create and make things. You know, I just, I never really put it together that I could write comics, right? I, uh, and then I didn't read comics growing up. I read a lot of fantasy and science fiction. I started reading comics in high school. So I read comics around junior year, so, uh, senior year. And, and I, I started consuming them. and I, And I didn't start, you know, taking my hand at it until, you know, I was in my late like 22 you know and then and then I would say I really didn't double down on it until I was like 25 where I like quit everything and, and like everything else and then I just did shitty jobs and pursued this career that none of my family understands. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I mean the question that I always feel like publishers always are trying to figure out is how to get new readers to buy comic books. So you started buying you say when you're about 18 or you're later. So what finally made you say, I'm going to start buying these? You know,
0: I had a good friend, you know, I mean, really for me, it came down to friendship and like, I was always interested in the medium, but the the issue, the number one issue with the medium is that there are a lot, there's a lot of barriers. There's a lot of gatekeeping in the sense that like, it's very intimidating to walk into a comic book shop. You don't know where to begin you know, publishers, you know, a certain legacy publishers, you know, make it difficult for you to like know when to begin. And then there's all this pressure and you have to know all of this stuff. So it's, you know, it's just intimidating, right? You know, it just seems like you're walking into a really, really, really big world and you don't know how to navigate it. So I would say that was my biggest and you know, I mean, I didn't have a specialty shop in my hometown. I didn't discover that until uh, there's one in the suburb next over. But, uh, you know, I had, um, one of my best friends. He stood up at my wedding, Mike James. You know, he introduced me to horror and, and sci-fi, like movies and, and, and comics. And, and like, you know, we'd, we'd go to the comic book shop every week together uh, and or every chance we could. And, you know, that that's really having a buddy really helped me what what can publishers do you know make it easy for people i would say and and i mean focus on keeping it simple and 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 you know making it accessible and focusing on like you know ways that they can do retailer outreach that invites people but then also direct from probably publisher to consumer stuff would probably help but i'm always a fan of just like make it easy making it inviting and 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 like don't get hung up on i think arbitrary legacy i think you know that is what i think alienates new readers especially you know younger people specifically also gen z i know a lot of gen z kids my little brothers are gen z kids and it's like if something's like hard and complicated and like full of like shitty nerds who are going to well <laughs> actually do to death like <laughs> they're not going to want to deal with that and quite frankly why should they
2: i agree do you think the big publishers would help to have like a previously like a page in the inside cover that's like previously on batman and like a breakdown of like the last storyline to help them out or would do you think that wouldn't do any good like a recap page yeah
0: I I think, I've always appreciated comics that have recap pages, you know, I've always appreciated them. I I thought they still did them. I I even stepped inside a a shop. Well, I just, I just stepped inside a shop, but uh, I'm not really buying a lot of Big Two stuff right now, aside from DC Black Label and Immortal Hulk, you know.
2: Yeah, I actually don't usually see a lot of those type of recaps. How about how about you, Emily? What was your first... Uh, when did you know you wanted to be a comic book artist? And what was your break into the industry? At least into the uh, comic book world?
1: I think... I think I wanted to do art around when I was 14 or so. And then the next couple of years in high school, I started reading comics. And that kind of drew me into wanting to do that more. I think... As far as actually starting to work in comics, it didn't really happen until like maybe I was twenty twenty or so. I can't remember, like nineteen or twenty when I started working on The Wilds with Vietnam, which was my first my first, you know, full length comic book. And it was really nice to kind of like I don't know, it's nice to it was nice to go into that with Vita because is a very easy person to work with and very considerate and, you know, helpful. So that was a really good experience for me. So what do you remember
2: what your earlier comic books uh, or did you buy comic books when you were in your teens later on?
1: I kind of think when I was going through high school, I was just, I wasn't really reading a lot of stuff in order except for like maybe Saga or something like that. It was just a lot of... Saga school? yeah i'm 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 24
2: i'm 40 so yeah i i just bought my uh walking well my walker <laughs> after you said that <laughs> yeah he he just realized that arp is now knocking on his door okay. so you were buying a saga you, you said
1: yeah and fables and stuff like that it was i was kind of into the the more like i don't know like the fantasy stuff in the indie comics um so yeah
2: so so Emily, are you, did you go to school for art or is, are
1: you self-taught? I didn't go. To, yeah, I'm self-taught. I think I started trying to do art full-time when I was out of high school. And it took a couple of years to kind of get to the point where I was able to. So, so when did you,
2: when did you both know that you had made it in the industry? Like, was there a point where you said I arrived? Oh my God. Did I make it? but <laughs> well, you're talking to talking to me so you know i'm <laughs> just kidding
0: <laughs> i you know i'm very fortunate and i'm very blessed to have people continually like answer my emails and, and be published and, and do i feel more confident yes however do, you know is there a sense of making it or like feeling good about anything ever that's not the kind of person i am so that's a that's a personal mental health struggle for me. So <laughs> you know, I'm a. i am I do I feel, do I recognize that things uh, are better than when I started? Of course. However, you know, I, I don't feel that feeling, and also there's still a lot left to do, and that I want to do. So you know,
2: how about you, Emily? Is there I'm- is there a point where you feel that maybe you arrived, or you you know you are now really a comic book artist you know you're you know one of the group you know the small circle of comic artists that are out in the world right now
1: it's hard to say because i i feel like i don't know if i would classify it as like making it or anything but like i started to feel a lot more confident when i was doing comics full-time as a job and i think that kind of like you know even if you have like imposter syndrome or if you're going through like oh i don't feel like i'm ready for this it's just like okay well I'm getting paid and I just have to keep doing it anyways, you know? (laughs) So yeah, I don't, I, I don't feel like I've hit a point where like, Oh, I've I've made it as a comic book artist or anything like that. I feel like it's probably really relative to every person that, you know, is interested in in going into comics. Do
2: do you both feel that that seems to be like a common thread among successful artists It's the sense that you're not yet, truly successful it's, it, you know what i'm saying it feels like every artist i know a writer that is making it never fe- feels like they've made it yet they always feel like there's still need to, there's still room to get better they've never they haven't mastered the craft yet is that do you think that's a common uh, theme throughout people who are achieving goals in comic books i that's
0: a big loaded thing you just said that i have a <laughs> lot of opinions about and I think a lot of it personally has to do with capitalism and the nature of what we value. Right. And the idea of like, when am I going to feel uh, fulfilled? Right. Yeah. And like the fact of the matter is, is that a career will never fulfill you because we create our careers for ourselves. Like we made our jobs, the jobs did not make us. Right. Mm. So inevitably like, you know, if you're chasing fulfillment, based off of the idol that you've created upon yourself and you're putting all of your power and giving it all of your energy you'll never get it because it'll never give it back to you because by definition it is incapable of doing that that being said yeah there also is like a, a certain level of dissatisfaction and then again you know not to be too weird i i have a difficult time you know, lo- loving, like, who I am as a person, right, and so, like, that is a huge problem for myself, and, like, it's, like, it's that bad as a consistent struggle, so it's, like, a lot of different factors at play, but, uh, you know, and I, and I don't think you can ever master the craft, uh, because, like, there's no craft to master, you can only try to do your best, right, like, like, I, I don't think there is such a thing as, like, a master crafts person it, like I think you know because that suggests that the craft is finite and the thing is is that it's not like it, it can be whatever you want it to be it can evolve and like it's constantly changing that being said obviously you know Neil Gaiman and like you know you know Gil Simone and people like that are incredible top level creators but like I don't know at this point, I'm arbitrarily talking, so I don't
2: know. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, totally fine. I, I will say one thing I find difficult with, with with my own writing in the very small level of comic books that, that I work on is difficulty reading and enjoying my own work. Can you, either one of you, in, do you find, can you enjoy and read your work and get, or do you find when you're reading what, you're, what you've are what you done, you find like <coughs> the little flaws and you find it difficult. And you're like, oh, I should have done that. Maybe I could have done this a little bit better. Or are you able to just separate yourself and just enjoy what you've done? For, that's for both of you guys question.
0: I'm very critical of my part of the job, right? but you know, I enjoy looking at the work Emily does because it's a totally different part of the process, and like that's where I get the most joy in like there are moments of joy I get in writing. don't get me wrong, and those those moments come from mostly problem solving and and being clever. I really enjoy that, but. The, the the true joy I get is when, you know, you hand the, the football off to your partner, and 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 they come at you with their energy and their like boundless creativity. Which you know, I mean, I'm I'm so fortunate to have worked with Emily because you know she's an artist like I have never worked with before, and 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 I, and I get enjoyment from that, and it, I think it is it does a disservice to your co-creator to not. Enjoy the, the work and the effort that they have put forth.
2: So, just so, can you expand on that? What do you mean when you said um, it's an artist like you've never worked with? What can you expand on that as an idea? What in regards to Emily?
0: She's like you know her work is very beautiful and elegant and like you know and it's just like it's a little I think not traditional in in a, in a good way. I, I mean and and you know and and so when you're writing you want to write. To fulfill those strengths for your partner and 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 so that helped inform some of the way i set the tone for our book and you know but like her you know i mean i've worked with a lot of traditional artists i've worked with a lot of people who who work in a lot of different like surreal spaces and and just the way she approaches comics and the way she you know, draws and everything is just very pretty. And I, I and, and I, I like that. Like, I, you know, sometimes you just want to stare at something beautiful and, I, and it's nice.
2: How about you, Emily? Um, Same question about, uh, are you able to enjoy what your, like your work or do you find yourself very critical of what you've produced?
1: I, I honestly find myself pretty critical of most of the things I make. I think it's hard with uh comics, especially because you'll work on something for like, you know, however long the project is, like five months to six months, and then it'll get released like a year later and you're like, oh, I don't I don't want people to see that it's so old. So it's it's definitely hard in that retrospect, but like I think the same like theme where Elliot was talking about like, you know, seeing seeing the story together in the end book and then seeing like Fred's colors and, you know, the letters after it, it's really nice to see a comic made by like a whole group of people, because, you know, as an artist I could essentially make most of the, most of like a comic by myself, but having other people working on it with me is also just a really cool experience to, I don't know, just to get a bunch of different people's ideas come together in one thing. So- right, it makes, other, it makes other people feel real to me, you know?
0: Yeah. I, I have a hard time with reality, sometimes and uh, and you know you you whip off a script and you send it and then it it comes back and it's like oh this is like a whole other person with a (laughs) life like that's incredible (laughs) it
2: it is i will say from my own experience it's a great feeling when the art arrives because whatever because on the page these words these ideas these intangible things suddenly have a tangible feel to it a tangible look and when you finally get those pages that really is in my opinion one of the best feelings of creating a comic book
0: no I agree. It's the joy of making something with someone, and
2: yeah. So, so where did the yeah. idea? So, where did the idea for Vein come from? The, the uh, through uh, Oni Press is what you you've worked on it together,
0: right? And that is the hold on one second. I think my cat wants to take a shit. <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, yeah, no, I. Uh, so the Vein, you know, it, it sounds funny, and I, I don't mean to be flippant about it, but it's just like a lot of my work starts as a joke right because i i'm a firm believer that jokes are stories like they're just told very succinctly and like but they have a purpose and like you know like like you know for example like i i wrote a book called hot lunch special and hot lunch special was a you know the joke in my head was like wouldn't it be funny if like a bunch of people took sandwiches really seriously <laughs> and like and and, and, th- and then I extrapolated it from there, right? So that's that's what I mean. And the vein came from a joke. Like I was eating popsicles one day, and I and I, there's a joke on one of my popsicles, and you know the, the classic, uh, what's a what's a vampire's favorite kind of bank? And uh, and I was like blood bank, right? And I was like, oh, that's what if you like. Blood bank robbing vampires. That's that's kind of fun. <laughs> and then I like started, and then I started like really thinking about it and like thinking of these characters and like thinking about like and extrapolating it. Like, you know, I mean taking it very, very seriously, right? Like it might start off as a like a fun little idea, but like, you know, you know, the whole book, although I think is fun and kind of wild and free, and that's why I I was so wanting to work with Emily because of work on the the wilds, but you know, it's also like it gets really serious, and it's like talking about like it's like nihilistic freedom, and I'm talking about like obsession and like all this kind of stuff. So it's like you know, might you know, simple like a joke is just like a simple concept that helps me kind of wrap my head around it, you know.
2: So how did you, did, was it you who first reached out to Emily or did Emily say, hey, do we want to do you want anything you, do you want to work on? So who reached out to who first? I think that's up for debate at this point.
0: And I honestly <laughs> forget, you know, uh, I've always, I've always liked Emily's work. And, you know, I remember we had a conversation at one point and I forget who began it, but she was gracious enough to say, hey, I want to work with you. And I was like, "Great, <laughs> give me a, a week to figure something out." And and then you know we were kind of off to the races from
2: there. So, Emily, do you remember what the pitch was that you when you or what you first thought of when you heard the story, the pitch for Vane?
1: Yeah, generally, I can't. I think we had a phone call after Elliot kind of gave me the general like you know like teen vampires, Robin, <laughs> Robin Bloodlinks, and it goes through a period of like. 80 years or so I think we had a phone call and we kind of broke down all the different you know kind of how we want the comic how we wanted the comic to feel and like the sort of tone it was going for which was really cool which is you know it's kind of like just this fun like over-the-top you know vampire story yeah I, I, it's hard because it was also like I think it was like a year ago that we talked about Doing this stuff, so it's hard to keep it like in my memory of like when we all had these conversations. It was a while ago, like yeah. you know, and, and
0: and and like I did, I did for the record say we got to do hot vampires, Emily. Like, I can't <laughs> worry about. like we're doing hot young vampires, sexy forever. Uh, <laughs> now makes me feel like even a bigger creep to look at twenty-two year old at the time. I had, <laughs> I had no idea. The way Oni Press works in a way that a lot of comic book companies work is that they like to have, you know, three full issues done before they even consider releasing the material. And then also, you know, so we had to do, we had to get to that point. And then also Oni Press had a big, you know, there was a big changeover, you know, with them in Lion Forge, which caused, you know, just some infrastructure delays. So... The whole series like, was essentially done before we even announced it. And, you know, so, like, really this idea has been living in, in our
2: brains for over, I would say, a year and a half, almost two years at this point. So, so I get the sense that making the comic book the way you guys did it in other words having to do three or four issues before owner press was really in, um, going to release it that's a huge leap of faith for both of you i would imagine how confident were you that it, that it was a good leap of faith or it was gonna be a successful one oh i'm
0: afraid to ask this answer this i'm never confident about anything but <laughs> i just go for it you know i if i if i actually like th- like you know if I actually took the time to think about something, like, truly, I, I, I would have a mental breakdown. Uh, and I have, uh, you know, like, and I'm not saying that I'm not thoughtful. I'm just saying, like, at a certain point, like, if, if you have an opportunity, you have to go for it. And, like, you know, my opportunity at the beginning of this, as I said before, was working with Emily, right? Like, that is an opportunity that I, as a writer, cannot pass up, like, like hmm. somebody who is as good a book. A creator, an artist, is Emily. Like if somebody like that approaches you and you have the time and ability to work with them, like you have to go for it. And then like, and then when you're pitching work, you know you have no other choice but to, you know, it's my job to, to to sound like I know what I'm talking about. Fortunately, <laughs> I, I look like a, I look like a white guy, so it's like you know, I mean everyone. I mean like uh, it's not that hard to sound confident right you know so you know but do i i, I don't know what i'm fucking doing ever like I, yeah. I i'm constantly spiraling out of control
2: so how about you emily how positive did you feel that this was something that you were going to find or you felt confident in <laughs> that there's something to work on spend the time on and this was going to make it
1: well i think honestly when it comes down to it like Like, when you have, like, you know, Oni Press saying that, like, okay, we're going to pick up this book and publish it, that's, like, where most of my anxiety ends for that. I feel like when you have the publisher's support and they're, you know, they've agreed to pay (laughs) you through the (laughs) book, it's like, okay, well, I have a lot less to worry about. And then, you know, I'm not sure. It's like I've only worked on, like, three or four books, and it's – only three of them have came out now so it's like i don't have a lot of experience of like oh this book is you know gonna flop or this one's gonna do really well it's it's a lot newer of a experience in that regards for me because especially since it takes so long to draw the book as an artist like like i'm sure like elliot has like tons and tons of projects he's working on and i'm just like okay i gotta do one book at a time
2: (laughs) (laughs) so so emily the artwork in this book is actually tremendous how did you develop the visual style of this book and how much research in the first issue did you do on 1941 Chicago looks, styles in in preparation for this book?
1: I honestly just look up a lot of different fashion stuff on Pinterest and Google images (laughs) for this. I think uh, I really like drawing fashion stuff. So I think that stuff is just like more of what I want to draw than what I have to draw. Because I know there's like some artists that kind of, like hate coming up with outfits ideas for the characters and stuff, but I get I get just super into it. But yeah, I think other than that, it was just I I don't know. <laughs> I think it's a style I was de- you know developing for a while since like working you know on my other books. So I, I think it kind of came pretty naturally, and it just ended up being a you know a story that fit it well.
2: So uh, I'm just going to break out of the conversation just for a moment and say Zoom is going to apparently shut this down, meeting down in about five minutes. I'm going to actually start it right back up, if you guys don't mind, so we can talk a little bit longer. Is that fine? All right. Like I said, unfortunately, apparently, um, I don't have the money, apparently, to pay for the upgrade to Pro to keep it going on one meeting. So yeah, so we're just going to let it go, um, and then we'll we'll jump in. But I'm going to ask my next question with the next five minutes. So uh, all right, like I said, I got to read the first issue. Like I said, I really enjoyed it. And I really like the love the line. I mean, I'll just read the line. I wanted to savor every flavor of the sunrise so I would still be able to taste it when I'm old. Uh, that feels like a theme of the comic book the idea that i uh, savoring every moment. And I also do like the irony of the discussion of the sunrise for vampires, too. Obviously, that's detrimental to them. So I kind of was asking, so for Elliot, where did the idea come from? Is that, was that a way to sum up the theme of your story, your series?
0: Yeah, I think that that line is is done by the FBI detective, if I'm not mistaken. I forget. But, yeah, there's something there to it. I mean, definitely playing with the vampire theme. But also, there's irony in that statement, right? Because, again, like we talked about with success earlier, and and when you feel successful, like the whole arc – you know, and I'm, I'm trying not to give too much away, but, like, you know, the book travels through time, 80 years, and, and, you, and we follow one human character who is obsessing over these vampires his entire life, and he misses his entire life, right? He's so focused, his career, he's so focused on being right, he's so focused on them that he misses everything around him that's beautiful, and, 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 and like, there is a dramatic irony to that statement. Mm. Uh, that that is purposeful and intentional right like and i you know there's like a great gatsby element to it like i I think about my father a lot my father's always reaching he's always 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 going towards what's next what's next what can i achieve next and and there's something to be admired there right like I, i certainly admire that kind of spirit but at the same time like it'll never fulfill you you know and and that's why, you know, I, I, I take so much great effort and try to focus on the things that matter, which are feelings, which are each other, which, you know, are, you know, my relationship with my wife. And that's, again, going back to the book, the thing that matters the most for the vein where our, our four vampires, is their, their relationships to each other, their friends, and their lovers, and, and, and like, you know,
2: they're only complete when they're together, right? I, I think one thing I, I, I enjoyed, especially about the first issue, is it reminded me a little bit of the the way the movie Heat was set up, where you had the cop and the criminals, and you had them both look at their lives, and, they, and they're perfectly set up that way for that comparison purpose, where you have the cop, and even though he's for the law, his family's falling apart, um, his whole life is dedicated to um, his job. Then you have Robert De Niro's character, who... He's getting more out of life. It's dangerous. He it's, could die any minute. But at the same time, he's the one who actually seems like he's living it. I kind of had the same feeling in reading the first issue of Vane.
0: Right. That's a great comparison. I never even considered Heat, even though I do love that movie. Yeah. But that is a, that's a really good comparison. Yeah.
2: Hey, thank you. I'll pat myself on the back for that. One.
0: <laughs> but, yeah. um,
2: it, it, it but, you yeah, it, uh, it
0: seen True Detective, the first, uh, series, series of the True Detective.
2: I saw the first two seasons of it so, some years back.
0: Right. So I, I've only seen the first season, but there's a similar dichotomy there where you have two characters, they're both cops, right? And one is talking about Woody Harrelson's characters are always talking about how everything matters. And then the Lincoln commercial spokesman guy, what's his name, Matthew McConaughey, he's always talking about how, like, everything's ephemeral and doesn't matter. But they act totally opposite, right? Like, Matthew McConaughey is the one who cares the most, whereas, like, Woody Harrelson is, like, you know, cheating on his wife and letting everything that is good in his life, like, he's, he's taking a big dump all over it, you know?
2: So that's like the lies we tell ourselves, right? (laughs) The lies we tell ourselves to make it through the day. Normally it's the opposite of what we actually want to be true. (laughs) All right. So Emily, so once again, Vane is visually very stylish. And when you read it, the art is really placing us into the time period. So when you're doing the artwork for this story of Vane, how much focus can, or can you place in the style and atmosphere of the story and how much do you need to focus on the character of the story? You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, it's well, it's, a, it's a balance for I think any comic that an artist works on. I think, you know, people always talk about comic book artists are often like, you know, character designers, environment, <laughs> like this, like designers and video clothing and all this different stuff that you have to learn. So I think it's I think it's a balance with any comic book. I think with the rain specifically, I wanted to try to show more of the characters and have them fit into the setting of wherever they were because, I mean, essentially, with going through each setting pretty fast. You know, there's a different time period each issue. So it's it's less... I think there's more development that could be done with the characters and with the settings that they're in.
2: I think the one, one of the things I think that I've been very impressed with as far as the artwork goes, Emily, is that you're able to put so much emotion and facial expressions in each character. There's even a moment, I think in issue two, where the uh, dog shows up, and even the dog seems, seems to have his own personality. And so, like, I guess I, mean, I guess... I mean, there's a question here somewhere, basically, is how are you able to put so much expression and emotion and characterization in your artwork in such an in each panel that you're doing.
1: I, I just gotta say that dog was like the most like some of the most fun I've had drawing. <laughs> yeah I I think honestly it's just I think the way I draw emotions is kind of like subtle like because the, the realistic style I do for the vein, I feel like I'd have to change a lot if I were to just have them like super hyped up emotions and stuff like that so I think I kind of like to do more um, subtle things that you would see on someone's face if you were talking to them. And it's just, I don't know, it's just really easy to just change very uh, specific things, like the eyebrows being furrowed a little bit more, like someone's mouth being, you know... I don't know the word, objective words. I need Elliot writer help, well, <laughs> like pursing their mouth more or something like that. Well, the, well, there's a
2: lot of nuance to, like I said, to the artwork and the, especially the ex- facial expressions. Are you using like a photo reference? Are you taking? Uh, are you looking at yourself like in the mirror, make like mugging, like facial expressions, to try to draw them? How are you getting that good at it?
1: It's both. It's I re- I love drawing off reference. So I do it as much as I can, but sometimes you need to take your own, to find the right things. So it's a bit of a mixture between it all. Well, I think one of the best moments, especially in the first issue,
2: and and not only is it a great moment, but it's it's such a turning point for the story itself, occurs on page fourteen, and this is an incredibly graphic scene. It is such a tonal shift in the story, which is something kind of starts off kind of fun, but it it quickly turns kind of ominous. And this is when Lost shoots herself in the mouth, and you <laughs> see the you see the the head blow up, you know, blow off a little bit, you see the brain, and it's a it's very a visceral. It's very, it takes such a tonal shift. How important in the story is that shock for the reader? And how important was it to lay the groundwork for what's going to come after in that moment? That's for both of you.
0: You know, for me, that's like one of the most, you know, uh, important panels in in the series and in the the first issue too. Like, just because that's what this book is going to be. It's like, you know, I wanted, like, yeah, I'm I'm not trying to sound high and mighty, okay? So please forgive me. But it's just like we have a very diverse group of characters and and we start them off in, in the 1940s and it's like, what are vampires known for? And like they're known for being like free. And it's like these people, you know, probably you know, they not probably, they wouldn't have been able to live their full lives and like and I wanted to create characters who were like, to hell with you, you know And I mean? We're gonna be ourselves, like, you know, we're gonna live, right? And like, and the, the, the most free characters, uh, the characters who live the most are undead. Like, I like that aspect to it. And then also that like, and also trying to like tell the reader that like, get ready for this to turn on a dime whenever I feel like it, right? And then, you know, with Emily's work, again, I think it shows the juxtaposition of like, you know, you have these beautiful characters, beautiful designs, and, and lovely colors from Fred See stressing on top of them all. And it's very picturesque, you know, and and then you, you turn and, and you have that moment on the page and it's just brutal. And like, I used to remember like more, give me more <laughs> depth. And she did it great, but it's just like, uh, you know, it was it was fun to ask her to bring that to the table, and it was fun to see her bring it, and like, uh, and that was that was a treat for me too. But like, that is like, you know, to me, it shows the the flip. You know, it's like this is going to get weird and 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 and
1: fun and wild. You know.
2: So, how about you, Emily? Like, how did you feel about that moment in the comic book?
1: Yeah, it definitely surprised me. <laughs> I think there's about like there's two maybe scenes that kind of come out you come at you with like a little bit of a surprise like that in the book, like a little bit of gore. But I mean, I think you definitely like like when you when you read through the comic and you're like reading up to that point, I think that's the point where you definitely understand loss a lot more as a character. Like it's just her personality on display. I really like I think it's it's really cool that Elliot showed that through a moment like that instead of like you know like an expositional backstory thing or, or like a flashback or something like that. I think it's a lot more effective.
4: Mm.
2: No, I completely agree with. You. I always I, I never like ex- exposition dumps. I, f- I feel that always the weakest um, writer tool is the expo- exposition dump. And I think you did a fantastic job, both of you, of creating that moment where you do have a ton of characterization in literally one panel of action. I think it was tremendous. And that scene with the bank is once again, it's a great scene, especially with Marquis lost and Fanny. And it's a very, and beyond that moment, it's, it was going to be a very low violent moment, nonviolent moment. And I always want, and I was wondering when I was reading it, is that because the vampires are inherently not bad? Or is it because it was that a calculated decision to limit the heat? Cause I wasn't gonna talk about the movie heat, there's a moment where the, the I can't remember the name of the guy, but he shoots up the guards, and Robert De Niro's character yells at him, was like, "If you do this, then now this is a murder rap instead of just a bank robbery. It adds layers of heat on them and pressure. So, in your mind, when you're doing that scene, was it to show their inherently benevolent nature, or was it a calculated decision on them not to go that le- go that route?
0: You know, it, for them as characters. I think it's more of a calculated decision, right? Like, and, like, the people that they, like, do kill, like, you know, that we do see die, like, you know, I'm choosing carefully that they're okay. Like, it's okay, not that it's okay to kill anybody, but, like, you know, like, structurally, and then, like, but yeah, it is a heat thing. Like they're they're strategists, they're like neutral evil, you know what I mean? Like and they're not gonna outwardly try to murder anybody. But you know, as the as the series continues, you know, that is that is the, the the change where like something, you know, things start to get you know out of control. Like any traditional noir crime story, like you know, the, the criminals have their code. And they try to stick to them, and that's how, you know, they're good criminals as long as they stick to their code. But as soon as things, you know, become a little uncontrollable, like, that's, you know, they once they lose their code, they lose control. And once they lose control, like, they lose, right? Like, it's all about control and strategy for them. And, like, their whole thing is, like, you know, especially as – we get it further into the series. Like the, the modern world is catching up with them and they're staying in the camp. All right. So it's like they can't afford the heat, right? Because like they just can't. The world is too quick now, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean like I said I think you created some fantastic characters. And I think another interesting development in the first issue that is worth discussing, Fanny and Lost are revealed to be at, at the very least, by but definitely lesbians in that first issue during a time period where they are not that would not be accepted in society. So I was, and the way I looked at it was almost like there's that's almost a metaphor. The idea that they're living in the shadows, that part of their life has to be exists in the shadows um, in, in, in regular society. Just like vampirism is is a existence that has to be in the shadows. Are we make like a metaphor for that kind having to live outside society in that way, or at least at that time, yeah. obviously not. I mean,
0: there is, yeah, there is like, you know, a definite kind of like, you know, that's why like the vampirism allows them I think the the power to move freely, like openly, but at the same time, they're still, they still can't reveal like, like that they're vampires. That's what they can't do. So yeah, there is definitely mixing and like, you know, and I, you know, again, I try to be very gentle. I'm not trying to take anybody's stories. Like, you know, and, and like, I I had a great deal of anxiety about that because I don't want to like, You know, reap the harvest of the you know LGBTQ plus community, but like they're also vampires. They're gonna fuck each other. (laughs) Like I I had to do something, otherwise it would have like a vampire book without any sex. Like what
2: the fuck is that? But like I mean, I think it was, but held I think true, and it gave once again another layer to these characters. But once again, it gives us once a, a sense of their existence. It gave us, and I think. Once again, it's also good to have representation in 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 a book like this as well. That once again is not often discussed in a lot of mainstream media. Still,
0: yeah, I mean, I I try. I mean, I, I you know, again, I'm not an expert, and like I had great editorial help assisting me, and, and a lot of grace and and people helping me. You know, I, I, the last thing I wanted, to, you know, you're talking about anxiety, like you might. The biggest fear is, is hurting somebody, you know, emotionally with my work. Yeah, I don't want, you know, I didn't get into this reason to to do something, you know, unethical or untoward. And and that that's what keeps me up at night, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. Uh but like again, great team and and people, you know, helping me along the way. and, and well, so I'm very thankful
2: for that. Well I found it wonderfully handled. I mean it, it was handled I think with some definite sensitivity, and I do think it—it didn't—it did not feel glo- the right word for it. It did not feel forced. It felt like a natural relationship in, at that moment. And I think that was well, very well handled, in, in my opinion. And the other oh. thing I found, you know, like I said, it's just my two cents for for what that's worth, which uh, apparently is probably two cents, <laughs> anyways. The other thing I found that fun, fun about the story, and as as it's going to lead into dealing with the Nazis, and I find it interesting once again the idea of 1940s dealing with the Nazis, and the fact that we're still in 2020, still dealing with the Nazis. Uh, Yeah, it it, it, it definitely, I was wondering if that was part of on your mind, like, hey, I'm writing this story about World War II fighting the Nazis, and, well, there's one, you know, right out on the television right now. Was was, 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 Is that something you were kind of thinking about as well in producing that? Maybe. Here's the
0: thing. I think about Nazis way too much, because they keep me up (laughs) at night. Uh, The Nazis were... you know, nineteen. You know, the book starts in 1940, right? And 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 I was already concerned because the book starts in 1941 that people knew where this was going to go. And and I was delighted to find out that they didn't know where it was going to go. So that made me happy because like if I'm reading something like this and I'm like, oh, they're going to ship them off to World War II, like that's the obvious what's going to happen. But you know, one, I put them in there. One, because it's another good bad guy to kill. Like the yeah. Nazis are traditionally the perfect bad guy, right? It's a binary, Like we can't let these people continue, right? Like you have to stop them. So that's good. But also, two on a like, again, not to get weird, but on a philosophical note, they I would have put him anywhere. I would have put him in any war. Like it would have worked in Vietnam, World War One. It, it wouldn't have mattered, right? Because like the no matter how "quote unquote" just your war is, obviously World War Two, being you know, people pointed that as like you know the just war, right? Like, but no matter you know how convinced we are of the like the, the truth of our cause, like the the fact of the matter is that war on on its own, right, is chaos, right? Like the like war like that kind of violence and that kind of existence is pure chaos, right? And, and chaos invites all of these different things, right? And, and, but like, and that is why I, I had to go there is because they are beings of chaos. They are beings of people who thrive in chaos. Chaos is where they thrive, right? And we as human beings, do not thrive in chaos like we don't do like sustained chaos is not sustainable for a human person and that, and that's why i put them there is because that you know chaos begets chaos they are trying like and violence and war and that kind of and that kind of hate like you know it, it creates a storm in and 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 it and and that's why i put them there because that kind of storm is is the perfect cover Right. Like it it allows you to hide in plain sight in, in a way that I think serves the plot and also serves them as characters. Right.
2: And, and I think the other thing I think I, I thought was interesting and the importance of I think Nazis is that I feel like the Nazis are the only group of individuals that you can go. Yeah, I'm rooting for the vampires. You know what I'm saying? I mean, right. Really? It, it, it's, I mean, there's only group that can go like, yeah, the vampires are monsters, but at least they're not the fucking Nazis, <laughs> you know, yeah. there, there was a, apparently there was a crossover, a, a Captain America Batman crossover issue, and it has it in the Joker, and he was teaming up with the Red Skull, and there's a moment in the issue where he that. real yeah, where he realizes that the Red Skull is a Nazi, he's like, son of a bitch, I might be a, I might be a villain, but at least I'm not one of those, those people, you know, and even the Joker, had to right. go against the Nazi. So even the Joker, as bad as he is, at least was not a Nazi. And I thought that was a very entertaining thing about the vampires. At least they're not them.
0: Well, because if you think about the Joker's character, like the Joker's whole thing is he's chaotic evil, right? He's yeah. nihilistic freedom, right? And, and a Nazi is lawful evil. Like a, a Nazi's whole thing is like they're, they're, they're weaponized, controlled, mechanical evil. And like that is what's so scary about them. And so, like, you know, the Joker might hate Batman or he might hate Captain America because they re- represent institutionalism. Yep. But, like, the flip side of it is that Nazis also represent institutionalism,
2: just a, a different side of it. Right, right. And so, Emily, how did it, How did you feel when you knew, you know, I'm going to the draw killing some Nazis here. Did that was that, was that, is that <laughs> like, like, do you enjoy the... The you know the the violent aspects of and of the of that war did you f- enjoy more like the more luxurious you know like drawing Cuba and things of that nature.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting because there's like there's some times where I really enjoy drawing gore and then there's sometimes it's like oh I have to look up like someone's head being to exploded today or something like that. <laughs> no, but it's it's interesting. I feel like. Uh, like you don't ever expect to draw like not scenes or anything like that when you're like an artist, it's like so it's like a, a new experience in that sort of way. But you know, honestly, it was it was fun going through the scenes in Cuba because I think just like that whole sequence was so like uh, it was just such a, a a fight happening all at once, and it was just really fun to um to try to get that down on paper just a random like is a random like attack coming from the vampires and all <laughs> well, well well i think one of the things
2: the cover of issue two is absolutely wonderful and I, it, I mean it's a beautiful looking cover um issue two i love the contrast between the life and personality of franklin and the fun loving life of lost and fanny how did you come up with the design for that cover
1: thank you it was i was looking at a bunch of like world war ii like era movie posters and just kind of seeing like like that's it have a lot of old uh, detective noir uh, movie posters have that same sort of look too, where you have like the big shot or the big uh, the biggest person on the poster is like the beautiful woman and then you have all like the different movie poster formats with all the other characters. So I think I think that was really fun to try to do something like that. We have a couple different covers later throughout the other issues that kind of do like movie poster stuff or just different stuff in the time period as well. So I think it's an easy way to show, like, what time period the issue is in right away. Now,
2: when you're when you're working on your covers, is it is part of this, is it a discussion with Elliot? Is are you kind of doing your own thing and deciding for yourself, like the essence of the issue? Are you reading the issue first and going, you know, I want to represent what this one issue represents in a cover? How how, how are you designing it?
1: So I think all the covers. I did after I completed all the issues. Yes. I think so, yeah, yeah. And uh, like for each one, I would just talk to Elliot and um, our editor, Jasmine, be like, okay, so these are my sketches. And then they all decide on whether the would all like, and then I would just go forward with that and have uh, Fred color it. And yeah, it was, it's pretty fun and easy to just like, you know, show a couple of different options and then work out what everyone is kind of into
2: degrees on yeah and, and i definitely must say like the, the, there's such beauty to your art i mean even the violence themes looks beautiful on on that page and going back as i mentioned before what is what issue two when it starts off in cuba once again is you make cuba look exceptional it's luscious what kind of once again just like i asked when you were doing in chicago once again are you how deep into the research for cuba did you get or for those scenes oh not
1: too much honestly i feel like with something like that, it's like like something like fashion, they're wearing the outfits throughout the whole issue, so I think there's a little bit more research into like making sure it's consistent. But with a with something like Cuba, it's it's only like if they're they're there the most of the time, but you only see the environment for a couple pages. So I think it's a little bit less research for something like that. It's just you know either one, it's the same thing, just looking up a bunch of photos on Google or Pinterest and you know, seeing which ones recur often.
2: So for you, is it the details that matter or is it the feeling that matters when when you're doing a particular panel?
1: I'm not sure. Maybe a bit of both. I think it's... I think there's one thing that I can't remember who said it, but, like, for a comic book panel, either writing or drawing it, you kind of want to get the the action, emotion, and, you know, whatever it is that's setting or the dialogue down for each panel and I think that's just kind of what I think about when I'm going panel by panel making a page so Vane is it how many issues
2: is it it planned for is it going to be an ongoing is it a mini series you said five issues so how how far ahead are you both in creating the is it complete Mm -hmm. all five issues
0: yeah it's been done I, uh, I do lettering changes like you know but that's
1: it I think do we is there any more issues that need to be colored I think I think it's mostly done by
0: now, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, when I say it's done, I say, like, I'm done. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think issues four and five still need to be colored, and i got to take a look at issue four, and I, I just turned in some lettering edits on issue three, which is you – know, how many of you, these issues have you read, Fred? I've
2: I, I, I read the uh, first two.
0: Mm. Okay, yeah. They don't end up in Cuba until issue three, I think. I'm going to say wrong. But um, and, and
2: work. The, the first page of issue two, they this has a, the first two pages or at least the first page happens in Cuba. But I think that's only Felix there maybe. But uh, yeah, it, it's, yeah, I, I read it. I read the stories um, yesterday. So <laughs> mm-hmm. my page is, is uh, yeah, Cuba is in the first page or so of, for issue two. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. well, yeah, definitely um, feel free to check. I mean, I, yeah, my memory on that is, is, is pretty good. Like I said, it was is yesterday. So I'm probably read it more so once the five issues are complete is it set up for future series or is it going to be or is it five and done? Well, I mean this this this
0: series is written to be self-contained. However, I do have a sequel and I am pitching it and like, you know, they're just you know, they're basically telling me, "Yeah, we like it, but and I haven't spoken to you, Emily, about this. So I'll tell you about it now." But basically like, "Let's wait, we're going to wait until" you know, to trade paperback and, and how it performs, which is par for the course for Oni for us. But I, I always try, I was trying to dig in there and like, I'm like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. But uh, they, you know, book publishers are, are, are slow paced people and you know, they, they definitely like have to roll up a newspaper and hit me on the nose.
2: So <laughs> is, is it hard for both you and Emily to be in that situation where you kind of Obviously, you have these plans that you want to do this other book, this other series, the next maybe sequel. But at the same time, you can't base your future life on what could happen. Like you know say does, does it become a scheduling problem? Um, yeah, it's a challenge. <laughs> I assume it's yeah. more, is it more of a challenge I- for the artist because I assume a writer can do multiple issues. The artist, like as Emily said earlier, you're kind of you have to do the one. Yeah,
1: I think. I mean, it, it depends on the situation, but I think most people are, most publishers and writers and everything are pretty understanding that like, if we if we have a like, cause every every pitch that I have talked over with people is taking about like six months to a year to get to the point where you know like it's out. <laughs> so I think I think most people are understanding if you need more time. Like if you're like if I'm in the middle of drawing a book and. Something like a Vane sequel gets picked up. It's like, okay, well, can we do this after I finish drawing this book? And you know, like I I haven't met anyone no. that's not I haven't met anyone that's like against waiting for it.
2: So, what can readers expect in future issues of Vane after issues after issue two, at three, four, five? Eternal love and death and decay. You know. <laughs> How about you, Emily? What any? Can you give us any heads on like some of the great artwork that we that we can look forward to seeing?
1: Well, I can say that each issue looks a little bit better because I <laughs> improve over it, but it's essentially the you know, the same style, the same sort of themes. I think we get to see more drastic changes in time periods over the next couple of issues. I think the first two kind of stay within like was it the same like fifteen years or so? So you get more of that as the story goes on.
2: So but right before I let you guys go, is there anything else you guys or any projects you're working on that you want to give a quick plug to? Issue two comes out next week. Also order
0: my new book from After Sean Comics, Knock 'em Dead. Fantastic. How about you, Emily?
1: I don't think I really have anything coming out soon. you don't know, there's a vault project, but I'm not sure if we have it released really stayed on that yet. So just go buy Elliot's book.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you guys so much.
3: Man, Jeff always asks some really great questions, so I, I love, I love, I love listening to his interviews. Uh, thank you so much, Elliot and Emily, for coming on. I Really appreciate that and talking about, uh, you know, your book and everything else. Um, love to have you back on sometime in the chat, but uh, you know, again, you so much for coming on. Now, if you liked that, and I know you did, because uh, you're still listening. So, if you liked that, go over to Spoilers.com and check out all of our back issues. Listen to, you know, interviews with uh, me talking to Robert Venditti. Um, spoiler: We have another one with him coming out pretty soon, maybe tomorrow. Uh, we've got uh, great interviews with uh, tons and tons of creators that you're going to love. Guaranteed, with 500, over 550 episodes, there's at least one that you'll like. So I dare you to go find it. And then tell us what it is. Hit us up on Twitter, at Spoiler underscore Country. Uh, go to Spoilers.com. Check out all the other podcasts, like Book Forensics, and uh, Bridging the Bridge and Half-House Adventures, and all that fun stuff. Uh, check out our articles, reviews, and previews, and you know, leave some comments, have some fun. Go to our store, buy a t-shirt, buy a face mask, buy a hoodie, look fly as hell, you know, because that's what you want to do. And uh, lastly, go to our our uh, Discord, scpod.us slash Discord, and uh, come join us in our public chat. All right, guys, that's it for today. And as always, in Oceans of Podcasts, we are Cthulhu. And as Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind and read more.